This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. It was the best time of our lives. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Today, my guest is Ash, a Twitter anon who is a lawyer, and we're going to talk about um, the Restrict Act. It's a good time to talk about that. Uh, Also, Ricky Vaughn, what's going on with him, Douglas Mackey, I believe his name is, and um, all things legal. It's the legal episode. But um, Ash is also an investor and uh, intimately involved in the Passage Press project. So that's super exciting. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that uh towards the end but um welcome ash thanks uh isaac how you doing today fine fine i'm you know it's it's, uh surviving i'm here in in the office so hopefully the sound is not too echoey because i got a bunch of new podcast stuff but it like doesn't work how it's supposed to of course so um anyway so what is the restrict act and why should we care about this i know that our friend uh grill time had a super viral um read about it, which was kind of the top level parts of why it's extremely vague. But what should we what is this act of Congress and what should we know about it? So the Restrict Act, which is an acronym for restricting the emergence of security threats that risk information and uh, that that, uh, the restricting the emergence of security threats that risk information and communications technology act. It stands for you know, Restrict Act. So um, the way I would describe this is that it is the Digital Patriot Act on super steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ostensibly, they're coming out as this being the TikTok bill. That's that's what they all keep saying. You know, TikTok is a you know national threat because it's a Chinese company. And, you know, all of our information is going over to China and they're harvesting it, including, you know, the information of uh, political actors and, um, you know, congressmen, senators, et cetera, which is a problem. It's a real threat, Um, you know, and, you know, TikTok in general, I think is kind of a cancer on society. Um, You know, I think people kind of drown themselves in these little, you know, vignettes and uh, little videos that kind of give them these, uh, you know, dopamine rushes and, and it turns them into digital zombies. But like anything that happens with our government, they state it's for a certain purpose and then it goes sideways and goes into a bunch of other stuff. So the Restrict Act, which is Senate Bill 686, it hasn't passed yet. It was introduced on March 7th. Um, by it's sponsored by Senator Mark Warner, um, but it also has 21 other co-sponsors, both on bipartisan support. And that's also a, uh, you know, red flag 
that anything that has unified bipartisan support in uh, Congress is is usually something that's not good for the people. Um, the essence of it is that the Restrict Act essentially um, allows for the Secretary of Commerce to um, have unwielding power um, over any type of digital transaction if that company or platform, uh, and it, it also states for a lot of future things like VPN usage, quantum technology, bioengineering. So it's not just limited to things like TikTok. It, it, it encompasses anything that has a digital footprint, essentially, or could have a digital footprint in the future. Um, essentially gives them carte blanche power to uh, re restrict uh, and go after these entities or uh, foreign actors. Foreign adversaries is the term of art that they use there. But that foreign adversary can also include U.S. natural citizens if they're deemed a national security threat under this act. And it, it applies for any transaction, past, current, or future. So it's, it's, it's quite a draconian and overarching law. Um, there's very little uh, restrictions on you know, the types of things that uh, the act can do in terms of pursuing, quote unquote, protections of these national security threats. Um, there's very little due process. In fact, they don't have to, if they deem something a national security act, uh, threat, they don't actually have to go to Congress for this. They just have to notify the president within 15 days of doing that. Um, this act is also exempt if passed by, uh, from the Freedom of Information Act. Those are just some of the highlights. So it, it's quite scary. And, and ostensibly, again, it, it is supposed to deal with foreign corporations, but that could be as little as you know one share owned by some type of foreign entity. Or as I read it, if there is a subsidiary of some type of corporation, um, that has a foreign, you know, foreign footprint uh, that could also qualify under this act. And as we know, with any type of law um, and how the government works, even if it isn't allowed under the act, they'll do whatever they want. And then the courts will clean up the mess after the fact, after the damage is done and wag their fingers. But, you know, it's it's already too late. Okay. Um, so why I really view this as the... Uh, way for them to control any type of discourse or quote unquote disinformation that they you know deem so um you know it really relates to the current uh, prosecution of douglas mackey aka ricky vaughn um he is being charged under a current criminal statute title uh title 18 section 241 conspiracy against rights and the essence of that uh, section of the, and Title 18 deals with all federally enacted criminal laws. Um, the essence of what that uh, section of Title 18 does is that if someone, if a, a group of conspirators have a conspiracy to try to suppress uh, an individual's constitutional or federally enacted right, I they see. can be charged. And the uh, the potential penalties under there is up to 10 years of prison. And in the uh, Restrict Act, they actually increase it to um, up to 20 years in prison, as well so, as, go ahead. 
So that's how they got Ricky was through some like antiquated law that's probably designed to stop like Klansmen from intimidating voters, probably, right? Exactly. Like yeah, like they got him on that ancient law by conspiring this, with some Twitter anons to correct. This law, the most famous thing that people might know of, if you ever seen the movie or heard of it, Mississippi Burning, um, that was yeah. criminal statute. This was the criminal statute that they pursued those people under. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this and get off the subject of restrict, but um, an, an easy example would be, you know, you have the right to free travel under the Constitution. So what this act is supposed to, what, what this statute is supposed to do is if you had a group of, first, there has to be multiple actors, right? A conspiracy needs more than one per individual. So if you have multiple co-conspirators and they were to rob individuals on a highway and the purpose of those actions was to suppress people's right to travel. That would qualify as something they could charge individuals under here. The key under this current statute is that not only do you have to identify the constitutional or federally enacted right, but the intent, the mens rea of those actors has to be to suppress that right. So not only, it, it can't just be that the outcome of their actions does affect the right, it has to be that their intent is to affect the right. So simply robbing people for the sake of robbing people on the highway. And, and that, then they, yeah, sorry. And they, yeah, right. And they restrict their travel. That wouldn't qualify for, you know, a, a guilty charge under this act. Under the Vaughn Act or under, or under the thing they got Ricky Vaughn under or under this new one? Under the current standing one that they charge Ricky Vaughn. Under with. the current one, okay. So let's just clarify. So we're we're talking about Ricky Vaughn, whose real name is Douglas Mackey, and he is being prosecuted. I talked about this on the last episode for sharing a meme that was, I believe, saying something like, "Hey, Hillary Clinton voters, uh, text this number to vote," right? Which obviously you can't text a number to vote. Um, and it was, it's a joke, you know, it's, it's like making fun of how dumb they are. And, uh, it was happening on both sides of the aisle, if I'm not mistaken, right? There were plenty of people who were also posting the same thing towards Trump supporters, like, Hey, Trump supporters text here to vote. It was just like a joke. It was just like a funny joke, but they, the powers that, you know, after, so this happened four years before Douglas got arrested, right? Correct. So they this happened in two this happened you know leading up to the 2016 election they were doing you know shit posts essentially yeah and uh two days after biden um entered office and trump left the department of justice charged ricky vaughn uh you know under the statute uh with these criminal charges and it's currently situated in the federal district uh, for the Eastern District of New York. The reason for that is because he was living in New York at the time of the, the memes. Yeah. So even though he was living in Florida when he was arrested, the act occurred when he was in New York. And that's the basis for the jurisdiction there. Got it. And so then and they have that jurisdiction. And then also they have this thing of uh, he the conspiracy is proven by the fact that he's like in group chats like talking about people being stupid so that's that's where the mens rea so mens rea means like 
in order just for the audience, uh, in order to be guilty of a crime, theoretically, you need to have the actus reus, which is the act, and then you have to have the intent to commit the act. So if you commit an act uh, without the mens rea, without the intent to commit it, technically, you're not guilty of it. Of course, the way things are now, it's all very mushed together and complicated, but he's getting his mens rea, this conspiracy thing from the group chats, I'm guessing, right? Correct. They're using yeah. the bait. So first, they're, they've um, had other, there was four, including uh, Mackey, there was four conspirators in the criminal complaint. Um, Mackey was the only one charged. Um, it's believed that all three, I haven't actually seen the testimony itself. I've been too busy to follow that. I've just been following the kind of outcome with the deliberations since the, the case in chief has, has ended. So they're at the point of jury deliberations currently. It's in day three of jury deliberations. And there were three other uh, co-conspirators um, that were in these group chats. They're using these group chats. I, I believe one of them was titled War Room. That's mm -hmm. part of their basis for it. Um, and, you know, in looking at the criminal complaint and some of the things that they cited in there, it seemed like some of the other co-conspirators were much more intent on actually suppressing people's rights um, more so than Mackie. I think Mackie was clearly, you know, joking, as I said, shitposting, uh, as his attorney actually, you know, uh, stated in their case. Um, one of the, the, none of the individual's identities have been uh, revealed. But most people believe it was an anonymous uh, poster by the name of Microchip that is the main witness for the prosecution. Mm. And were they was Microchip an agent or just like an asset? Uh, I think he was probably someone that just got flipped. Yeah. Uh, right. right. Ultimately, um, to avoid charges himself or to get immunity. Yeah. So currently, the case, you know, the, the actual case is, has gone through. Um, they're in jury deliberations. It's in day three right now. Um, the first two days, they were unable to um, have a unanimous verdict one way or another. The judge yeah. yesterday gave what's called an Allen charge. Um, and for the audience, that is essentially where the judge uh, gives further directions to the jury if there's a, not a unanimous verdict to try to what I would call uh, characterize as uh, pressure the jury into making a unanimous verdict. Um, from right. what I've read with the language, it actually wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, but essentially, they say things like, well, if you don't get a unanimous verdict, this won't have a final determination of the case. It'll end in a mistrial. And this could be extremely costly and lengthy. And the prosecution can retry the case. And you should have an outcome one way or another for that reason. Um, and if there is not a unanimous verdict here, um, I don't know how many holdouts there are, but, you know, in a criminal case, you have to have a unanimous verdict, all, all 12 jurors um, voting um, for a conviction. Um, it might be one holdout, it might be two, I'm not sure. If they do not have a unanimous verdict, it will end in a mistrial. At that point, the Department of Justice um, has the choice on whether or not they drop the charges or they try the case again. So the unanimous verdict, this is the dumb, I can't believe I can't even, I'm even asking this, but the unanimous decision has to be both ways, right? So like they'd have to unanimously say acquitted also, obviously. Correct. So what do we want in Mackey's case? Do we want 
him to mistrial? Would that be a win? Or are we really pulling for total? Because, I mean, look, if they're charging him under this thing, uh, I mean, I don't know how complicated the statute is, but he's probably guilty, right? I mean, he's probably guilty of the statute, whatever weird statute this is. You know what I mean? Well, like, I, I, I would push back on that a little bit. Isaac. I have no idea, but that, that was a question. That was not a statement. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I think that there's some some serious, you know, First Amendment questions here. Yeah. Um, right. There there was motions to dismiss filed, you know, motions in limine filed prior to the case um, to try to, you know, have it have it disposed of. Um, the judge ruled against that and moved it to go to the jury trial. I think that was an incorrect ruling. Um, if there is a conviction, that's a basis for an appeal. For appeal, right? Yeah, because this um, is just the district court. So there's still two more layers, right? Correct. So if if in this instance that there is a conviction, they have the ability to appeal to the circuit court. And if the circuit court were to uphold the conviction, it would go then to the Supreme Court. Now, I think that if it went that far, given the current makeup of the Supreme Court, they would probably overturn the conviction. Yeah. That being said, that would take would, years. It would take years. It would take years out of Doug Mackey's life. It would yeah. cost millions of dollars, and it would have a very chilling effect until you have a Supreme Court uh, opinion on the matter. Right. Um, so this is this is a very, in my mind, a very clear abuse of the statute of the process. It's clearly politically charged. You know, as you mentioned before, there's um, actors on both sides of the aisle that did this type of stuff. And well, that's uh, what I'm wondering. Shouldn't there be some like check or balance against political prosecutions? Because like that to me seems like even more than free speech, it's like it's just so obvious. You have people doing literally the exact same thing on the other side. So it's like there's not some other appellate like I, I don't know there's not some other rule against political prosecutions that, uh, not in this way I yeah. mean they 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 aren't targeting they are targeting Doug Mackey because he's Doug Mackey right um you know obviously you can't have bills of attainer in under the constitution but they have a they have a statute under Title 18 that they can cite. Um, there isn't a lot of precedent for it being used this way, but you know, there's new precedent is always being made. You have prosecutorial discretion, generally speaking. That just seems so insane to me. That, I mean, that seems completely crazy that there's not some check and balance that says, hey, prosecutor's office, you can't just arbitrarily enforce laws based on political lines when people are behaving the exact same way. I mean, that just seems completely insane to me, but. No, you're right. I mean, yeah. your, your thinking is right. Unfortunately, that's the state yeah. of the legal system and the nature of prosecutorial discretion. Right. Right. Wow. Well, okay. So, I mean, would you be happy with a mistrial? Because I mean, if it's a mistrial, will they just let it go or are they going to bring this back? Um, I would be happy with him. I, you're not going to get uh, him, you know, deemed not guilty in this. He's case. not going to get acquitted. No, he's not going to get acquitted. So I would be happy with a mistrial, both because it would be an embarrassment for this uh, Biden led Department of Justice. 
as well as um, just for Mackey's sake. Um, yeah. Obviously, he could still be prosecuted again, but you know, between the resources, the time it would take, you know, you could all they could always get a different jury panel that could um, vote differently. I think one of his saving graces was that it was in the Eastern District of New York versus somewhere like, let's say, the Southern District of New York, where he would almost guaranteed to be convicted. Yeah. Uh, right, but. I, you know, I think that it would it also act as an embarrassment for this um, politically charged Department of Justice um, if they weren't unable to convict him. Um, and if they were able to convict him, it would be terrible for Mackey personally, um, but it would also have just a generally chilling effect um, for, you know, any anonymous poster um, on the Internet. Um, moving forward. Um, obviously, they, it's kind of fact specific here where they're going and they're finding that he's violating, um, well, they're, they're saying that he's, you know, violating uh, individuals' uh, constitutional right to vote in a federal election. That being said, what's stopping them from finding some other constitutional or federally enacted right that they could charge even more tenuous uh, shitposting or anonymous trolling? Um, under the statute if they were getting a conviction. It, it, right. it leads to very scary results. And for that reason alone, um, ignoring the human level of Doug Mackey's case, which I think is very important and shouldn't be ignored. But for that reason alone, uh, a mistrial would be the best result right now. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I, oh God, I was just gonna, it, the First Amendment issues that probably most people are thinking of right now, like, well, what about the First Amendment? What about the First Amendment? I think that generally the First Amendment is like doesn't protect this sort of notion of like um, suppression or like swindling. You know what I mean? Right. It's like uh, fraud is not free speech. Right. So I think like the history of jurisprudence, the way that they're getting this loophole uh, for him is that he's like kind of lying. You know what I mean? Even though it's obviously parody, like I think that that's how they're allowed to do this. That, that That's why this law isn't unconstitutional to begin with, uh, because it does suppress free speech, arguably. Um, and then number two, I think it's that the district courts generally aren't very good at like hearing free speech stuff, right? Like that's usually the appellate courts that like do a better job of that. Uh, yes and no. I mean, it, it, it really, it, it kind of depends on which district you're in. Okay. Um, and this actually, when we finish on this getting back to restrict act, that's one of the other kind of chilling aspects of the restrict act. The fact that, um, the under the Restrict Act, any prosecution of individuals or foreign adversaries um, in it would go to the D.C. Court of Appeals, which, um, you know, you can imagine what your kind of uh, posture would be there in terms of the judges and who's operating there. Um, it depends on circuit to circuit. You know, some are more liberal leaning, some are more um, conservative leaning. Um, you, you are probably, you know, going to get a better result with the circuit courts, um, than you would in any individual district court, unless you're in, you know, a more favorable one. And it also depends a lot time, a lot of the times on the specific judges. Um, like in this case, this judge is, um, you know, he is the same judge that signed the subpoena 
um, for the Mar-a-Lago raid. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it, it that you know that there is some level of could they have pro probably prosecuted him in Florida? Yeah, but obviously they tried to do you know uh, venue shopping within what's an acceptable level of venue shopping. Right. 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 Wow. Okay. So that's the Mackey case. What, what about, let's bring up, um, I'll actually bring up the law that we're the restrict act, which is, which is again, a totally different act. Um, it's um, what's the, here's Mackey, by the way, it's Senate bill six, eight, six. And um, so the question is like, Okay, here's this is so can you see this on the screen? Yeah. Okay. So uh let's just read this for a second so people like understand. So I, I don't know what part of the bill this is, but it does a pretty good job of articulating how crazily vague it is. Uh, which is the secretary in consultation with the relevant executive department and agency heads is authorized at two and shall take action to identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, or otherwise mitigate, including by negotiating, entering into, or imposing and enforcing any mitigation measure to address any risk arising from any covered transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States that the secretary determines poses an undue or unacceptable risk of, and then there's this list of things that basically include like anything. <laughs> right. right. And, and further earlier in the statute, um, a covered transaction includes current yeah. past or potential future transactions. So right. it's anything that's happened in the past and anything that happens in the future. So the, the, the really the key, the only specific thing here at all, it's basically saying the Secretary of Commerce has the right to do any mitigation <laughs> to anybody that is posed <clears throat> one a risk. And it's like these risks are so vague. It's like sabotage or subversion of the design, integrity, manufacturing, production, distribution, intellection, maintenance of information and communications, technology, products and services. So it's like, what what would subversion of a communications technology product be? That Couldn't that be anything? Like literally, what could that not be? Hey, no, that's exactly the you problem. Know? This thing is just vague enough to have to kind of cover everything that they wanted to cover until you start having, you know, if it gets passed, until you start having, you know, some yeah. poor opinions kind of narrowing what it is. Now, right. it's like, what is what is my subversion of the integrity of information? Like, is that me saying, oh, COVID the vaccines are bad? Is that me subverting information? You know, like, it probably, sure, right. if, if they want it to be right. I mean, it, it can. Is that right? Or am I reading that? Not no, no, that's enough? completely correct. If you say, you know, whether or not it's true, if you say like the COVID vaccine you know, they're putting microchips in. And if you get the injection, that's going to put microchips in your body that the NWAO is going to control your life or whatever. You know, right. think of your most far-reaching QAnon thing. I mean, that would all be covered under here or something that's not even on that level, you know, parody or absurdity. I mean, you know, if you're saying that the, the vaccine is causing um, unusual amount of, of deaths um, in the VAERS system and things like that, and 
that, you know, they say that this is subverting, you know, national security for uh, the protection of individuals with, uh, you know, our, our uh, vaccine programs and, and, you know, COVID is possibly a biological agent. And, you know, by doing this, that they are, you know, you're, you're affecting the national health of, of, of the public and then thus infrastructure and everything that follows thereafter. This could be covered under the bill. That's why it's so scary. That's why yeah. I, I called it the Patriot Act, Digital Patriot Act right. on steroids. Yeah. So what do you mean when you say the Digital Patriot Act on steroids? I know what you mean, but what do you mean? Well, um, you know, for I guess our younger listeners, yeah, um, right. after 9-11 happened, uh, the Patriot Act was passed. And ostensibly, the Patriot Act was passed to, uh, you know, combat terrorism. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, it led to any individual that was possibly funding terrorism or they made donations to some organization that might have had tangential connections to some terrorist organization, maybe. Um, you know, they were just locking these people up. They were using FISA courts. Um, that were, you know, done with, you know, FISA warrants that were done behind closed doors, essentially. Um, and a lot of these things ultimately led to the ability for things like the uh, drone strike program during the Obama administration, where and I, I know it was recently, in, like within this week, um, removed, but like the authorization to use uh, force in Iraq, you know, that was part of the basis for the drone strike program, where under there, um, a, a, you know, a foreign ad, it gave them basically, in, well, the, the attorney general at that time, Eric Holder, determined that, you know, essentially that they had jurisdiction to go into sovereign nations to protect American interests and, um, you know, do drone strikes on foreign adversaries that were in meetings. But under their definitions, that would include um, male, any grouping of three or more males um, that age wow. 18 to 65. So, you know, you'd have a wedding or a tribal meeting or something like that. And there'd be some individual that might be a terrorist and they would, you know, they could deem that one of these meetings and they would drone strike weddings like in Afghanistan, Iraq and Yemen and, and everywhere else. And wow. we, you know, we've seen the kind of results of this unmitigated, um, you know, intelligence uh, based uh, prosecution under these draconian acts um, and how it's just been a complete exploitation of individuals' rights and uh, circumvention of due process. This is the same thing, um, but further and on, on digital platforms and essentially applies to all digital platforms because the act covers any type of entity that um, has at least uh, 1 million United States based annual active users. I mean, there's very, very small companies that will have a million active users annually. So th this really covers basically anything that has any type of digital footprint in any sense. It's not just TikTok. It's not just Twitter. It's not just Facebook. It's, you know, basic applications. And again, it, it expands to not just the service platforms. It, it talks about VPN technology. Uh, it talks about bioengineering, uh, quantum technology. So it, it covers future technology services as well. Well, but hold on. So let's, uh, okay. So the operative, the parts that are like um, particularly relevant are one, the unacceptable risk, which we just talked about. And that's one through D here, which is pretty much just like anything. 
Uh, and also then there's two, which is undue or unexpected to the national security of the United States. It's anything, you know, anything they want is that pretty much. The only other thing that's controlling them is covered transaction, right? Correct. So covered transaction is, the, I, I, we need to find the other part of the law where that exists. But covered transaction, is that what relates to the million person platform? Correct. Yeah. So in the first section, um, subsection 10, um, it defines the term ICTS covered, or that's ICTS covered holding entities. But yeah, no, covered transactions, yeah. So there you go. Uh, it's actually section four. So covered transactions um, includes anything that, it, you know, a transaction that involves any entities that they describe here, um, foreign adversaries, an entity subject to the jurisdiction or organized under the laws of a foreign adversary, um, or an entity owned, directed, or controlled by a person described um, in, you know, in, in this act. So the problem is that, you know, this, Again, as I mentioned, th this you know not just this doesn't just deal with something like you know China or some sub subsidiary that's basically owned by the you know the Chinese government, communist government um, that owns TikTok. You know this covers any company that uh, owns even like a single share of any of these yeah. entities, or if these entities have subsidiaries um, and holding right, which is a which is a, any platform. Because we're talking about it. Well, also, it's the any subject to the jurisdiction of a foreign adversary. Is there a list of is what is a foreign adversary? Because the, the things we need to dis define are an entity for one and then for two, a foreign adversary. So they have the foreign adversaries like here. OK, so it means any foreign government or regime determined by the secretary to have engaged in a long term pattern or serious instances of contact significantly averse to the national community of the United States, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So pretty much if your website works in Russia, right, you're, you're, you can be an entity under this law. Isn't that right? Correct. No, that that's the scary part of it. These are the only specifically named ones, but um, isn't limited to just these, uh, you know, countries or governments that they're mentioning here. Right. Um, and further, you know, it kind of gives, uh, you know, further in the act, it gives the secretary, you know, if they deem something a national security threat, essentially the ability with very, with no due process and, uh, you know, very few limitations to make that assessment. And if they need to act now, um, other than you know, notifying the president within 15 days to basically go forward with anything that they want to do. Um, they're supposed to promulgate rules and regulations, but that's not required under here to actually act. Um, again, it's 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 it, imagine any type of you know uh, Orwellian horror show that you can think of of what the government could or would do with this, and they basically have the ability to do it in, under this act. Right. And then here's the, what is ICTS? ICTS covered holding entity. We know what that is. Uh, information and communications technology. I see. Okay. Covered holding entity means any entity that owns, controls, or manages information and communications technology products or services and has not less than a million United States backed. Okay. 
So yeah, this is basically aimed at like Twitter. <laughs> it's aimed at any platform that's big enough that it has a lot of users. Okay, so the enforcement mechanism, when we're talking about how this thing is actually enforced, like returning back to this main part, um, it, like is authorized and shall take action to identify, defer, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, or otherwise mitigate, including in negotiating, entering into, imposing, and enforcing any mitigation measure. So who is being enforced against here? Is it the user or is it the platform? Well, it, it's against you know the foreign adversary. So it could be against the platform. And there's, you know, uh, different things that they could do against the platform, but it can also go against individuals, um, natural persons. So, you know, as to the platform, it has, you know, anything from being able to have, you know, you know having um, those companies being taken over and nationalized, um, you know, assets being frozen, um, you know, injunctions being issued against those entities to stop at any activity um, against individuals, it has uh, you know criminal potential criminal charges um, up to twenty years, but also the ability to have criminal or civil forfeiture of assets of that individual if it was deemed that they were used in connection with any violation of this act. So Doug Mackey owns a house. Um, you know, Doug Mackey does his his shit post from his house. Doug Mackey is considered to be a, uh, an actor uh, that violated this restrict act and they charge him criminally with it. Um, anything that he that they could possibly connect to his uh, activities related to the criminal charges could be seized by the government under you know criminal forfeiture here. So would he need, if we ran the Doug Mackey case through this, would he right. need any foreign involvement? Well, possibly. I mean, that that's the problem. This is also a little vague, but let's say one of those other individuals in that group chat was a, was a foreign individual and not a natural U.S. citizen. That arguably could qualify um under this act that he was you know he was um spreading disinformation to affect the the national security of federal elections and it involves some individual that is not a u.s citizen overseas and that that was enough for him to be charged under the restrict act that that's where this is really scary where it doesn't take much to be able to use this act to penalize any type of actor Right. Yeah. So, and, but ostensibly, this is all about TikTok, right? Ostensibly, this is to control, to, to allow the United States government to control TikTok. Well, correct. They just had uh, the, C I, I don't know if it was the CEO, they had some individual representative for TikTok in front of Senate subcommittees in the last week or so, um, you know, going over this, doing their kabuki theater, their horse and pony show. Um, you know, questioning them on them on certain matters, you know, us, you know, they're asking about the protection of the Uyghurs and their normal talking points. But it's all a cover for, you know, shoehorning in all this other, um, you know, ability for the government to 
su suppress individuals' rights. Um, and obviously, you know, for political reasons. So um, if you're using TikTok, if you're like a user of TikTok under this regime, so let's forget about the amb ambiguities behind what platform it is, right? Because that's one place where there's ambiguity. The other ambiguity is like what sort of stuff you have to be doing, but it does seem like you could almost be doing anything. Say that you're an individual using TikTok, but you're just an American individual and you they want to target you, right? Say the government wants to target you. You use TikTok, which is one of these things under China, it, which is obviously a Chinese platform. So it's listed number one here. What can they actually like do to you? Because this isn't like a statute in the sense of the Doug Mackey case where there's like a criminal penalty, right? Or is there? No, there are criminal penalties. That's why I mentioned earlier that they can charge individuals criminally for violating the Restrict Act with wow. a penalty of up to 20 years of imprisonment. Oh, really? Wow. And, so oh, that's, that, yeah. That's so that's later, that's later in the statute. Oh, geez. And so actually there is, a, in Section 11 for penalties, um, it talks about specific unlawful acts. Um, I don't know if that's... Under the, it might not be within... The, within any of those posts, but I, I can just read a few of them. Yeah. So here, unlawful acts uh, in general. It shall be unlawful for a person to violate, attempt to violate, conspire to violate, or cause a violation of any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, prohibition, or other authorization or directive issued under this act, sure. including any of the unlawful acts described in paragraph two. Um, here, here's just a couple. The unlawful acts described in this paragraph are the following. No person may engage in any conduct prohibited by or contrary to or refrain from engaging in any conduct required by any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, prohibition, or other authorization or directive issued under this act. No person may cause or aid, abet, counsel, command, induce, procure, permit, or approve the doing of any act prohibited by or the omission of any act required by any regulation, order, direction, mitigation, measure, prohibition, or other authorization or directive issued under this act. Uh, no person may solicit or attempt a violation of any regulation, order, direction, mitigation measure, prohibition, or authorization, or directive issued under this act. And it goes on. And I don't know what that means, Isaac, but I know what they'll say it means. You know, yeah. it, it's pretty clear that they they could basically do anything with this the way it's it's the language is, is uh, stated. And, you know, when they talked about orders, directives, et cetera, Again, there's no rule or regulation, um, rule or re rulemaking or regulation um, enacting um, process that is really required under here if they deem it, you know, a necessary emergency to do to do something. Yeah. So you know, normally, when you have um, things like this, I mean, there are you know executive orders which, not getting into the nitty gritty of are some executive orders constitutional or not for a second. Generally speaking, when a law is passed, um, you know, there has to be rules and regulations that are promulgated um, that go through a voting process that are advertised um, and then are finally enacted as final rules and regulations. 
um, that give guidelines and guidance to how these acts are actually implemented. You know, for example, the National Firearms Act, um, you know, they, they have set, set, set language of certain restrictions and things like that. But normally speaking, they have to en enact certain you know, rules and regulations if they want to have further restrictions. The easiest example for you know, recent news would be after the Las Vegas shooting, um, the Trump administration issued an executive order banning bump stocks. And that ultimately went through the court system and it was ruled that that was uh, unconstitutional. It didn't go through the proper rule or regulation, rulemaking or regulation process. And thus it was uh, disqualified. So th there's your easy example. So normally, you know, there are some sort of safeguards that it's not, you know, you have a general act, but then you have to have specific rules or regulations that guide that act. Here, if they deem something a, a necessary emergency or national threat, they can just go go buck wild and, um, you know, worry about those normal uh, procedures after the fact. Well, wouldn't the Commerce Secretary, though, have to make some kind of declaration first? Like they'd have to say, you can't do this or you can't do that. And then somebody would have to break it, right? Or no? Well, that's true. But ultimately, the way that this is, again, because of the nature of this vague language and kind of the uh, carte blanche, uh, you know, language in it, the secretary could make that declaration they have to they don't have to tell Congress. They have to notify the president within 15 days of doing that. Um, and then there's a process for Congress to try to undo that. But, you know, as I read this, there's nothing stopping them from making a declaration, uh, you know, prosecuting someone or taking some type of action against an entity the next day and then letting the, you know, uh, events play out as they will. Again, that's why I mentioned at the beginning, the, the problem with this act is, you know, yes, there would probably be some court ruling at some point restricting things. But by that point, the damage has already been done. Um, you know, people, either people's lives have been affected, companies could get destroyed, companies could get seized, injunctions could happen. And they're also the, again, the, the court where they would go for this is the DC Court of Appeals. Um, which would essentially give a rubber stamp to anything the government did. And by the time it went through the necessary uh, appeals courts and went to the Supreme Court, you know, again, the damage is already done. That, that's where this is really scary. And, and the scariest part about all of this is that if this act is passed, anything that is done with this act, any, any documents or anything like that, are exempt from the Freedom of Information Act. So you oh, can't even really? Yes, it's the last section, section 17. Uh, you can't even do a FOIA request. Now we've seen recently um, the CDC has been caught deleting emails related to their actions during the COVID period, um, which is a violation of the Freedom of Information Act. But something like that wouldn't even matter here because the Freedom of Information Act doesn't even apply. Jeez. Man, that is messed up, man. Why, what, what, why are they so? I mean, why do they care so much? Like, what, what are they, you know what I mean? Like, why are they just ready to shred that? Why are they so excited to shred the Constitution just to get people to like not use the internet to like 
they're just so afraid of Trump again, basically. I, I think they're they're afraid of that. They're afraid of the dissident right generally. I mean, look at the power of meme magic. And, and you know, it wasn't the only thing that drove the 2016 election, but it was a large part. But and, what is the power of meme, ma- meme magic, really? I mean, like, to me, I'd like see that maybe I just have like a different opinion of this, but I don't think memes, I don't think Trump was memed into office. I mean, maybe... I don't think he was, I guess I could see them thinking that his connection to the people was what got him into office. But like, did Douglas Mackey really do any damage? <laughs> you know, well, he didn't do damage in, in that sense, right? Like, I don't think you could, like, yeah, Doug Mackey isn't the reason Trump got elected, right? Yeah, the right. right isn't the sole reason that Trump got elected. Yeah. Ultimately, there was a lot of groundwork people. Um, you know, you can't ignore a lot of those people that were on the ground. Um, Trump's general appeal, um, you know, there wasn't as much um, regulation um, by the government in these uh, entities at the time. So, you know, and obviously the media um, used Trump to fuel their ratings and ultimately backfired on them because they got their worst wish and got him elected to an extent. Um, but that being said, that by doing this, it has a chilling effect, um, I think, on generally people's willingness to talk, um, people's willingness to do activity online, people's willingness to network. Um, it would suppress a very vital part of the ability to spread information. And I think we've seen in the last few years, eventually things from somewhere like the dissident right do leak into the mainstream, mainly people like, let's say, Tucker Carlson, right? You can see where some of his, uh, and he is obviously very powerful as a voice for, uh, you know, the conservative uh, wing of America. And so, you know, when when things like the dissident right do have an influence on individuals like that, it does start changing the narrative. Again, it's not the only thing. It's not the thing that solely won Trump the election. You can't discount the state of the country. You can't discount, you know, the previous two administrations. You can't discount Trump himself and and what he was saying and his appeal to the common person, you know, the working class, uh, you know, stock American uh, that built the country. Um, his appeal uh, to them for actually saying something about stuff like immigration, being against things like TPP. Right. Uh, but it, it, Trump also had a, a vast part of his ability was with his Twitter account. Um, you know, he is coming back now. Um, he is reemerging. Um, he's, you know, he's been allowed back on Twitter. He hasn't joined back on yet, but, you know, there was a lot of power both on how the media covered him and what came out of him using Twitter and Facebook and things like that. And again, this isn't just Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, boomer age Americans that use things like Facebook to communicate and spread stuff. So what it would do would basically, you know, suppress that whole side of the aisle in terms of their ability to network and communicate. And it would basically turn the internet and every single platform into a de facto propaganda piece for the regime. And and the way things are going further and further, um, you can't ignore the, you know, the power of the internet, the power of these digital presence. I mean, there's so many people on Twitter. There's so many people on Facebook. There's so many people on TikTok. And yeah, maybe not one of those uh, platforms individually 
makes the difference. But this type of act would be able to suppress it on all forms. And again, it would also, it's not just these platforms. It, this act would be able to suppress, you know, VPN usage, um, biotechnology, well, quantum technology. And clearly AI also, right? Right. Anything that's using AI, they're they're clearly just saying any go, here's the AI, of course. That's their that's one of their biggest fears is controlling AI. You know, they really don't want base people to to get control of that because there goes all the email jobs. Um, but uh, yeah, no. So it's, man, it's just, I'm just trying to like put myself in the shoes of these people sometimes, you know, like what, and, and one other thing, you know, th this doesn't just, you know, digital currencies, this oh, would right. apply to digital currencies too, Bitcoin. Oh, so yeah. that's where I think as this comes out, you know, this isn't just something that affects the dissident right. Um, you know, based people, as we like to call them, this will affect, you know, anyone that's in in those spheres, anyone that has uh, investments in any of these platforms. So, so I think as this starts to emerge, you're going to see more pushback from some from more mainstream as people, um, you know, not just uh, individuals like Grill doing threads on it. Um, but right now it, it did, you know, it, it didn't really it, it's been pushed so quickly and the narrative has been, you know, so much just, you know, TikTok, 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 China, 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 that they've been able to kind of fly under the radar for the time being. Um, I, I think that there will be some change to that. I, I don't like to be blackfilled about anything, yeah. uh, but I do have a real fear uh, that this thing could get passed because, again, it has unified bilat you know, bipartisan support. And that is the scariest term you can use with anything the government's doing <laughs> in today's world, because because we believe right that there's really none of us in there, right? Like at least, there's none. There's no actual real real friends of ours in there. I mean, there's like a couple of them, but basically it's the neo the you know the the controlled opposition of the right versus the party powers of the left more or less right yes do we have anybody in there i mean i guess we have a few right there's some I, you know there's some people i like there that i think are are genuine um you can't love everything they do but generally they they hit 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 some good points i think matt gates um yeah is genuine um, I think Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene is genuine in, in most senses. I mean, people can criticize them. I think some, you know, especially in our our circles, there's some people that criticize them for their, um, you know, their stances on things like Israel or, or the Israeli lobby and stuff like that. But you, again, I think generally speaking, they do. There are some true kind of MAGA people out there that are generally pushing our, you know, things that our side of the aisle cares about. Um, you know, Thomas Massey, I think is pretty good generally. I, I, I don't like all his libertarian leanings, but, you know, again, it, you, 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 you can't have everything as long as you have people that are pushing back against this egregore of, you know, um, wokeism and, um, you know, this, this liberal agenda, it's, it's, that's the most important thing in my mind. Not everyone is a rhino there. 
So what's going on in the mind of the people that are pushing this stuff? Like, you know, these people are still human beings. Like they wake up every day and they have beliefs and they believe things and they, you know, it's, they're not just, I mean, I guess a lot of these guys are paid off more or less, uh, but some of them have beliefs and it's gotta be that the, what I see them thinking is the DC people that are behind this kind of thing. And they've kind of tipped their hand at this before is um, like the internet has basically made it impossible to control people and people need to be controlled. Like people need to be controlled. The country needs to be controlled. Things have to be decent. Um, and people need to be treated with respect. And what the internet has done in the, in the mind of their mind is it's allowed the worst parts of American society, these like hidden racists, to, to come forward and start indoctrinating other people, right? No, I, and, I, and, and that, I that's, that's, that's how they explain Trump. They explain Trump is there's this dark evil in America and, uh, you know, it's not that we exported all the jobs from the entire Midwest to China. You know, it's not that we made it so that Christian beliefs that were completely acceptable 10 years ago are now hate speech, right? It's not that we've ruined the country, you know, it's that nobody's actually mad about that. What people are actually mad about is... Uh, they were just racist the whole time, but they didn't really have any, you know, they, they weren't smart enough to really get together and, oh, the media was controlled so that they were, they were sort of pushed to the side for a long time as they should be. Right. And then now the internet has allowed those people to get together and elect somebody like Trump. It's not that we did anything wrong. It's that it's just the internet. And this is like all these people basically acting upon that belief that they have. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, when you, especially when you look at, you know, the people who are sponsoring this, all the co-sponsors, you know, you have your normal suspects, your Joe Manchins, your Mitt Romneys, um, your Susan Collins, you know, your Kirsten Gillibrands. Um, I think, you know, and part of it is, I mean, the, these people are all essentially geriatrics. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, and they are of a wing of, you know, political actors that have been there forever. They're career politicians. Um, they think that they know better. Yeah, than... they think they know better. That's, that's for sure, you know? And, and I think also, you know, they, you know, even something like immigration, um, you know, they have both interests. Um, they, they get psyopted and they, they get into these beliefs of these mythos of the, of the beauty and of, of immigration you know, to the detriment of the, the people who built this country. Right. And what it also does is someone like Trump is, you know, when he breaks, when he broke the mold, in my opinion, um, he allowed, you know, he started saying uncomfortable truths. One, you know, the most famous thing is this isn't about me. This is about you. You know, they, they hate you. It's just holding a mirror up to their faces, which is true. They do truly despise the people who elect them. They view them as just, you know, peons and they they know what's best but we really do have um you know leaders that don't care about the individuals that elect them their electorate 
Um, you know, they think that they know best. You know, you obviously you add in that they have financial and uh, political interest on why to keep pushing these things from both foreign corporations and, um, you know, domestic corporations. But it's this push of this idea that, like, you know, globalism is the best thing. You know, we are essentially a open air shopping mall. We're not a country of yes. peace and a culture. I and, said that for an open air parking lot. We're just like a parking lot. Yeah. And to house parking lot. Exactly. And yeah. the thing is, by starting with these more, let's say, benign, uncomfortable truths, things like immigration, um, when people start to question these narratives that have been going on, at least since post-World War II, but earlier than that, you know, the, these narratives that have been going on, it starts allowing people to ask more uncomfortable truths, things that are farther and farther out there. And that, not necessarily all those things are true, but it, it opens up the door for people to question the narrative of the regime, of the idea of globalism being for the benefit of everyone, of unmitigated capitalism, which isn't real capitalism, you know, uh, helping people because the GDP is going up, even though you can't go outside where you might get robbed or everything is decaying around you or your industry has left your town. And, yeah. so, you know, right. and the more, right. And the more things get bad like that, the more the, the soul of the person in control who is not honorable and doesn't believe in God and doesn't have any relationship to anything besides self-betterment, the more that that person gets freaked out and the more they double down and double down again and double down again. And we get to the place where we are now, where, you know, everything seems completely fake because it is because, you know, there, there essentially is a writer's room of people, you know, theater kids on Adderall who are writing this stuff out and the more that they have to cover their tracks, the more they have to cover up, the more they have to tell us to not believe the things we see with our eyes, uh, the further and further they have to go. The, the issue that I have, though, is I think that in a way, like our reactiveness and neo-reaction and, and mold bug and everything like that and mold bugism this whole idea that the United States is a Marxist country and that we've been left wing the entire time and that it's all it's all been a left wing experiment and we've lost every single battle ever and it's hopeless. And the only thing we can do is, you know, try to undermine it via culture and all this stuff. There's no political hope. You know, it's all the entire right is just a fake controlled opposition thing. I feel like that's a little bit of like an internet view of what's actually happened because at the end of the day, the normal Trump supporter, they voted for him not because of memes and not because of the Douglas Mackeys of the world and not because of racism. They actually didn't vote for him for those reasons. They voted for him because you're, I mean, I know I'm not going to say where you live, but I know that you live in a place that, uh, you know, has been affected by like any place by globalism. Right. And so when you look at a place like that, I've been to the place where you, you are from. Uh, the damage is absolutely undeniable. 
You know, there, there are parts of the country that look like straight up Syria. They look like they've been bombed, you know? And the things that people are reacting to are real. They're not memes. You, you know, like they're, they're actual policy problems that these people have. And I feel like a little bit of the problem with Trump and a little bit of the problem with our guys is that we've like made this into an online battle, but it really isn't an online battle. Like, no, I agree. You know? I fully agree with you on that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I, that I don't think this, you know, this country was a great country. I mean, I still it is a great right. country. Um, I think sometimes we lose that narrative. Um, you know, not everyone in the distant right, let's say, is American. Um, I think some people are, you know, cynical to a point where they create self-fulfilling prophecies. The whole, you know, it's over. Um, yeah. um, but no, I think that was ultimately was uh, Trump's appeal was he was from a begotten era of American greatness and American chauvinism. And, you know, he he really believes in the country and revitalizing it. And he, you know, he he saw what affected the average person. And at the end of the day, um, you know, most people just want to live peaceful, simple lives, whether or not that's the correct way to live your life. It is what it is. Um, but most people want to live that way. And, th and that was possible. And there, it was possible within a lot of these people's lifetimes. And, you know, that's where Make America Great Again kind of, you know, why it took such a strong foothold um, in people's imaginations. And he did have that appeal to it because it was the first time in their lives where politicians weren't just saying the normal horseshit. They yeah. were, you know, he was actually saying real stuff and he was saying, no, it isn't perfect, but this is but what it, we But it's do. not just that, though, because here, here's the thing. It's like everybody acts like the only person who even said the word globalist until about five minutes ago was Alex Jones. <laughs> Who is the craziest motherfucker? You know, I mean, like, you know, no one right. took him actually seriously. He poetically and incredibly intuited everything that was going on. Like, you know, he's basically the greatest street preacher of all time. And he was able to see where we were going in ways that none of us were. I mean, basically nobody. You know, but but the people that listened to him were understanding something was happening. And Trump, in a way, also intuited the same thing. He intuited what was happening with a, a tension between nationalism and globalism that really nobody, including all the D.C. people, including all the Ivy League people, nobody really understood that until very, very, very recently. So I, I don't buy at all that the generations past were always this hopeless dance of the right losing to the left. And that was always what has always happened. I don't buy that. I don't think well, that's I, I mean that it, I mean that just within the last, let's say the post nineties, yeah. um, you know, I mean, cause essentially, you know, yeah, you know, after Reagan and Reagan had his problems, but at least, you know, the representation of Reagan and, and Reaganism um, did represent this idea of American elitism and, you know, putting America first and, you know, 
dominating the world for the betterment of the American people, whether or not that played out fully. You know, I mean, and the idea of combating communism and, and things like that, you know, that 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 was really something that's been lost since the, you know, essentially since I've been born and slowly has eroded more and more. And, yeah. and, and Trump kind of represented kind of a return to that idea. Definitely. Yeah. And I think Absolutely. in that way, and I do agree with you that, yeah, I, I meme, meme magic wasn't the, the it wasn't the make or break thing, right? It was a lot of people on the ground. It was people actually, you know, voting. Um, you know, where I'm at, I'm in an urban area, but I'm cl I'm close to more rural area if I drive out not too far. And you know, I, you know, everyone within these cosmopolitan urban areas, um, we're in this echo chamber, and and it's you know, and part of it's with this sort of shame culture out there, where if you don't agree with the current narrative. Um, that you're a bad person. You're inherently a bad person for having these wrong think ideas, which most people don't really have. And I think that it's, you know, especially post Obama, especially his second term, this started getting infected more and more in every form of media, mainstream media. Um, and, you know, Trump was the ability to break away from that and push back on that for most people. And it, it did have a true psychological effect. Um, you know, I, and I, I don't think it's lost. Um, I think that the 2020 election obviously was very bad in its outcome, you know, whether or not it was done correctly, you know, not even talking about just in terms of how they change certain voting procedures and things like that, which is, you know, in, insane in my mind. But, you know, I, I don't think everything is lost. I think you have this current narrative right now, especially with things like this uh, Restrict Act coming out, where people are acting like it is is only doom and gloom and, and we can't return. But I mean, you know, it wouldn't take a lot you know, just purging some of these uh, career politicians, purging some of these bureaucrats that are entrenched in these systems. Simple things like that could turn the tide fairly quickly. Well, something has to be done about the managerial class because, I mean, I have my own theory on this, but something happened where that class simultaneously completely changed and was hit by Trump like at the same time, <laughs> you know, and so that class like got into power and then immediately completely freaked out and they completely freaked out because basically because democracy worked basically because they weren't ready for democracy to work. They'd been told their entire lives, you get whatever you want. And then boom, they got hit. You know, they basically got hit. And I think that it has a lot to do with the different makeup of that class. You know, that class used to be a certain demographic, and now that class is a completely different demographic, right? And I think that uh, that managerial class just got rotten. And you see it absolutely everywhere. You see it in every single place in which that class touches anything or has control over absolutely anything. And they do the most strange, bizarre things that make absolutely no sense. Like, you know, they, they, they like, uh, did you see the new logo for Pittsburgh? <laughs> did, I, did I share that with you? Yeah. 
it's like, what are they doing? Like, what what are they thinking? They're, they're doing the most insane things. And that's happening absolutely everywhere. It's happening in Hollywood. It's happening in Washington. It's happening in absolutely every level besides maybe, uh, you know, finance, law, and tech, which is still kind of like they're merit-based enough that, it, that it, there's still people in those places that for the most part, you're they're like, oh, well, no, I, I'm not into this stuff. But in marketing, in the worlds that I was in, and in a lot of these administrative bodies, you know, you're seeing this class that has just risen and is now acting completely like to destroy the country, basically, and and to destroy everything about America. And more and more people like me cannot operate in those spheres. Like, it's just not possible. You, you can't have a job among those people and be a straight white conservative guy it's just not going to happen you know well, there's, and it's there's happening no... in the legal world too uh more so on the corporate end you know i'm i'm in, independent from the corporate world but on the letterhead law firms you know you're having and it's not even just coming from the you know law firms themselves it's coming from some of their clients you know their their corporate clients they're saying well you need to increase your diversity yeah uh it's, law. You know. it's fucking law it's not yeah it's like it's that's just wild but, um, you know, I, I think the the best way to fight it is to eliminate the ability for them to leverage you with this shame culture. And that's exactly. not and that's why we need. And this is so this is a great chance to talk about passage. But yeah. what do you mean? What do you mean by what you just said? By that, I mean, listen, there's ways to say certain things. And obviously, I would never suggest anyone do something that would put their livelihood in jeopardy. Um, but, you know, I, and just like this passage, it was passage publishing, I was at an event and um, for it uh, recently, and not everyone there was a, a right wing and on. There were some, you know, uh, New York uh, art scene types, you know, very, very left, left leaning. And I, had, I was in a conversation with someone for about 15 minutes and all I did was just speak my mind. Um, he asked me about my politics and I, I told them and, you know, I didn't say anything. I didn't have to use any epithets or anything like that. I just told my opinions and you really take, you know, the wind out from them and take, you know, and, and kind of eliminate a lot of their leverage if you just speak with confidence and speak your opinions um, because a lot of their perceived power is based on the ability to shut you up. And if no one ever speaks up, it will go that way. It creates a self-fulfilling prophecy. But um, if you just, are, and you can be polite about it, but if you just say, no, I disagree, and this is what I think, um, and you push back as if, no, they're not right, and you're not a bad person for having these you know, wrong opinions, uh, it really takes the wind out from uh, Yeah, I think that that's very, very true. Um. And that's where the internet has been our, our worst enemy, actually, because the internet has allowed, uh, it's allowed us to separate our opinions from our everyday life. So in, in the one sense that it's our savior, because we, it's a place where we can gather and be free from these terrible institutions. At the same time, the fact that it has allowed us 
to separate ourselves from our opinions is also the reason why this class has been allowed to rise the way that it has, you know, in a way, because so many people are so they're afraid to say anything and they're afraid to, to, yeah, they, they really respond to the shame. Um, I think it all goes back to men and women, honestly. I really do. I think I think we were experiencing a, a, an absolutely unprecedented thing in the history of mankind where basically the power structures have been taken over by women. And and men are really bad at dealing with female authority in that context because we're so built to be nice to women. We are so absolutely constructed to just be like, oh yeah, well, we don't want to look bad in front of them, right? We want to, we want to present our best selves. We want to be clean. We want to be nice. We want to be pleasant. It's just like built into us, right? And suddenly when women now are in the position of like our commanders, of our bosses, of our you know, these places, these spaces where that used to be about profit and, and, uh, you know, dominance and capitalism and, you know, striving and hierarchy and, and, uh, merit, right. Suddenly in these spaces, we're being asked to like portray ourselves in this way, exactly like you're saying, which is not wanting to upset them. You know, like no, not wanting to be, sh- we don't want to be shamed. We don't want to say anything weird, you know? It's, so then it's, an, that's unequal, cool. dis- it's yeah. an unequal distribution of empathy and compassion. And those are necessary uh, emotional reactions. But, you know, disgust is, is also an appropriate emotional reaction at times. And I think that, you know, the nature of females, generally, they are more empathetic and compassion, but that can, you know, turn bad and become monstrous and you know empathy you know for the sake of empathy is not productive and it it really leads to the downfall of things and i think this idea of like empathy versus disgust there has to be an equal balance of it and yeah well empathy and disgust and also just like um to me it also goes back to like the goal, the the goal of a of an enterprise, of a longhouse enterprise, is the enterprise. It's the organization itself. The goal is the community, whereas the goal of a masculine enterprise is the product. You know, so it's right. like we're we're shifting over, and it's kind. Of, it's also very communist. You know, like in a communist society, the goal of a communist society is the society. <laughs> It's not the product. The product of the society is the society, whereas the product of a capitalist society is the product. It's the it's the work product. It's how good the things are you're making, basically, right? And I think it's much much better to organize yourself in the latter than in the former, you know. And in terms of what America actually is, I know the mold bugs say, "Oh, it's been a left wing thing the whole time," but like, okay, maybe, but in reality. Uh, what made America great to begin with was our hyper masculine, insane drive towards producing things that are awesome. <laughs> yeah, that Faustian spirit that you know drove, you know, drove the country for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, right. You know, manifest destiny. 
But okay, so before you go, uh, t- tell us about what's happening with Passage and and how is Passage? I mean, this quote's kind of perfect. Uh, what's going on with Passage and and how are you involved and what can we expect in the future? So I've become involved in Passage and on the creative side. I don't really uh, do any art, uh, you know, other than trying to sculpt my physique. That's my only <laughs> project. But um, no, but uh, Passage Prize uh, or Passage Publishing is. Um, is uh, moving forward, trying to expand themselves. They have a lot of good projects coming out. Um, you know, they just had Curtis Yarvin's uh, Unqualified Reservations Volume 1. Yeah, come here's, out. it's beautiful. Very, very beautifully designed. It's a gorgeous book. And um, they, yeah, no, it, it, they're, they're really focused on producing not just, you know, shoestring, pulp, crap books like you get from penguin publishing or something like that they're trying to truly produce art um they're trying to bring very talented writers and artists into the scene those who have been essentially exiled from society because they are you know white straight males for the most part um it's not just that but um you know they they have a few um things that they've published so far they have a lot of, of good artists um and authors that they are working with um, to hopefully, you know, some are definitely in the work, some are possibly in the work. Um, I know, you know, they're working with, uh, I think, Steven Saylor um, to do a book with him. That's, I think, their next project. Um, They just finished submittals for volume two of the Passage Prize. There's a lot of talent that uh, comes out there. I would recommend anyone pick up Passage Prize. There's a lot uh, of good stuff in there. And, you know, I expect to have a lot, of, I expect they'll have a lot of good stuff, um, Passage Prize Volume 2. So they're, they're just working to actually kind of, you know, capture the market um, that's there and for people that are hungry for, you know, good works. I mean, is there a single, who's the, who's the great author of the millennial generation? You know, this is kind of where we're aging out at a point not aging out, but we're coming to an age where, you know, you should be able to name some great authors of this generation. I can't think of a single one. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, it, it just shows the state of publishing, the state of authorship right now, the state of, you know, novels and books. Um, so they're trying to actually bring back good writing, good art. Um, they're working with a lot of individuals. Um, they're also going, you know, everything that they're trying to produce is high quality. It's not just, you know, some book to read. It's, it's a piece of art to have on your bookshelf. Um, Lomez has done a lot of good work. He's got a real good team behind him. Um, and I think they're going to do great things. Uh, I wouldn't be involved with it. You know, I have, I have other things to occupy my time. Um, I wouldn't have involved myself if I didn't think this was going to go somewhere. So I'm really excited about what they're doing moving forward. Totally. No, as are we all. It's it's uh, it's very exciting. And I think there's going to be great stuff coming up from them. I hope they, you know, I hope that they turn it into a whole media empire is really what what I think there's a lot of urge. There's a lot of uh, sturm and drang or uh, a new vice kind of thing. And I hope that they can I hope that they can and other people like them can coalesce and, you know, unify the tribes into to one place where we're truly an alternative tent to the mainstream. And I, I think that that's hopefully where this is headed. So, um, cool, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Is there any place you want people to send people or you're really more of 
you're not like a content creator in your own right. No, no, I, I basically poster, but yeah, no, I just, I just, I, I just do some shit posting here and there, but you know, <laughs> I'm more of a behind the scenes type of guy, but um, no, check out, you know, as, as we mentioned, real time, he's a great poster. Check out his thread. If you want to see more, read this app, um, go to publish uh, or uh, uh, go, go get some books, you know, go pick up Yarvin's book, go pick up passage prize volume one, um, follow passage publishing, you know, you know, follow their posts, see what they're going to be doing. It's going to be some good stuff. If you are, you know, a fan of, of novels, of writing in general, and you're yearning for that, that's the place to go. Um, you know, I mean, I guess to drop a few people that, uh, you know, good mutuals that produce great content, um, Astral's one, Athenian Stranger, um, you know, individuals like that. I think, you know, people like BAP are great. Lomez makes great stuff. Obviously, you, 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 you're a good poster as well. Um, but there's a yeah. lot of great individuals in this sphere. Um, they aren't really known to the mainstream, unfortunately, but they should. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of content out there uh, that you should be looking at. Yeah, no, for sure. We got to get Lomez on here. We, I think we could probably get him. But the other two we've had, I don't think BAP, I, I, you know, I wouldn't even try. But right. <laughs> anyway, all right, Ash. Uh, thanks so much, man. This was great. Appreciate it, Isaac. All right. All right. Have a good one, man.